0: This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason. Full-time investor, strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate, where real people
1: are doing real estate. Hey, everybody. It's Danielle Chason here, your host of the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. I want to Thank everyone for taking the time to trust me and my guests for coming and, and listening to the show. I know time's really important. And today I'm super excited to have Darren Jacqueline on the show. Woo, woo! It's Darren. Hey, Darren.
0: Hey, great to see you and great to see everyone across the planet, I guess, on this virtual communication platform. This is awesome.
1: I know life has changed now in the last decade. It sure has for us old folks. Couldn't imagine this happening, t- you know, 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> So guys, I've got Darren Jacklin today. He's out of the Victoria area of British Columbia in Canada. It's the west side for those of you who aren't familiar with Canada, if you're coming to us from the States. Um, Darren is a corporate coach. He is a kick-ass at what he does. He is on advisory boards. He's on boards of directors for multi-million dollar companies. He travels the world, training corporate businesses on what to do more of and what not to do. Um, Constantly, constantly improving his game. I've seen him speak multiple times. Uh, Darren, I'm just so honored that you've made the time to come and share with our audience. So thank you again for being here.
0: Grateful to be in service and make a difference.
1: Yeah. And that's the beautiful part about you. I mean, this is why you're, that is truly why you're here. So guys, those of you on the show, um, I've met Darren personally. I've sat and chatted with Darren and his wife, Tatiana. They're a killer team and they really do just serve people now. And, And that's really the driving factor of why they do what they do. Even your real estate portfolio, Darren, is geared to help people. Um, and I mean, we can maybe talk about that on another, on another call, or maybe later at the end of this call, we can tell them a little bit about that, but I just think it's great. Like everything that you do now is just all about giving back. So on that note, let's talk a little bit about, um, about your story, because where you came from and where you got to this point in your life, uh, was a big, uh, challenge, uh, so just for the audience, uh, if you've never heard Darren talk before, um, his backstory is actually he was misdiagnosed at a young age in grade one. He was misdiagnosed as um, being having a learning disability and being mentally challenged. And uh, they deemed you as retarded, right, Darren?
0: That's right, yeah. Yeah, special education classes, grade one to grade 12 public school and misdiagnosed with a learning disability and a reading disability and, and labeled retarded. Yeah, and most likely not to ever succeed, never amount to much. Never go far in my life.
1: They actually told you that in a high school, didn't they?
0: Yeah, I was told that by some uh, educators in the public school system in, in high school. That uh, in grade eleven, that Darren, you'll probably never graduate from high school, and if you do, you're not going to amount much, never go far. And I had one person even tell me, Darren, if you make it to your twentieth birthday, it'll be a miracle. And you know, I never did any drugs in my life. I was never into the party mode. I, uh, you know, I just like to work and solve problems and do odd jobs in my neighborhood, in my community. But uh, You know, academically, I didn't fit into the school system. I was not someone you would bet on that was going to go out and get a degree or work, uh, you know, go through university or college or or complete things in school. I was just not good at the school academic system.
1: And I think that's a problem for a lot of people like in our audience. I think a lot of listeners are going to be able to relate to this because our public school system has very strict parameters around it and i i don't think a lot of people don't fit in that so i would love to talk about your journey coming out of the public school system and how you overcame that so you had um you went from alberta moved to the okanagan uh, and you went to vernon i believe right and then so yep. you had told me you were on welfare because at this point every all the odds were stacked against you nobody believed in you you didn't believe in yourself So you moved there, broke, and you were on the welfare system, right?
0: Yeah, so I left Swift Current, Saskatchewan, Canada, moved to the Okanagan Valley of British Columbia, a place called Vernon, British Columbia, Canada, less than 60,000 people. So I went from a city in Swift Current to less than 20,000 people in population to Vernon, British Columbia with less than 60,000 people in population. And I um, was actually uh, at a birthday party one night in Kelowna, British Columbia, met these two guys that had a startup business opportunity, And they were elated and really excited about this opportunity. They are raising money. And I had some cash in the bank from doing a lot of odd jobs and saving money over the years and, you know, cutting grass and shoveling sidewalks delivering newspapers, washing, you know, people's fences and and, and, uh, windows and stuff. And so I thought, wow, what a cool idea. I could be an investor. So I didn't know what due diligence was. I didn't know what research was. I just met two guys, got excited with them, got elated, got that dopamine fix. And the next day I went to the bank and withdrew tens of thousands of dollars in cash, put it into a brown paper bag. This is back in the 1990s. And um, I handed these guys a bag full of cash, no paperwork, no documentation, no due diligence, nothing, all verbal agreements. And then I went and I co-signed through the bank all their lines of credit uh, to start this startup company in Kelowna, British Columbia. And I even collateralized my car that I worked for years to, to pay for my car. Uh, because I was so proud, you know, to earn and save that money to buy my first, you know, one of my first cars. And, um, I collateralized it through what they call a GSA called the general security security agreement. Well, 120 business days later, the bank called a demand loan on the business loans with the startup company and all the lines of credit. But what happened was they were making collection telephone calls and sending collection letters to these two guys and they were not responding. So I was the co-center. I was the nice guy who financed everything is the co-signer. So they contacted me. And well, what that was when they were calling and sending demand letters to me, the phone number and the mail address was not coming to me directly. It was going to them and they weren't responding. So they hired a bailiff uh, in the Okanagan Valley to actually come out one day, called me and said, you know, are you, you know, are you Darren Jackson? Yeah. Oh yeah. We're just doing a telephone survey. Realized as a bailiff to see if I was home. And he came and knocked on my door And I remember like it was yesterday. He said, are you Darren Jackson? Yeah. He says, you're being served. He touched me and the paperwork dropped at my feet. I said, what's this? He goes, we're here to repossess your car. I said, what do you mean? I don't owe any money. I may have one or two parking tickets that are outstanding, but I don't owe any money. And he's like, no, you owe money to this bank and you haven't paid. I'm like, I don't have any loans. I'm, you know, but I was a co-signer. And so I ended up getting evicted. My rent check bounced. My utilities didn't go through because I bounced all those with NSF checks, non-sufficient funds. And I ended up going on the streets in the Okanagan Valley for a few months, living on welfare, eating my next meal out of a garbage dumpster. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful because nothing's, as I look back and reflect on my life now, nothing's ever in our way. It's only on our way. And I always ask when something's happening to me, I always say now is why is this happening for me? Not to me. It's a difference in mindset. Well, back then I didn't, cause I was in a lot of trauma and a lot of pain, but, uh, through a lot of discovery and a lot of training and development and counseling and coaching over the years, I've unpacked all that and really reframed that in my mindset. But uh, I learned a lot being on the streets, you know, how to survive in a first world country. And uh, I can share with you, if you want, some of the life lessons I learned from being on welfare and being homeless uh, that serve me today and serve, you know, millions of people across the planet from what I overcome in terms of those adversities and challenges and persevering through that.
1: Yeah. I just want to circle back for a half a minute because I think uh, when, when you went to the Okanagan and you had that money in the bank, uh, I I know where that came from because you had started a business at the age of seven, right? Yes. That was your
0: rent a kid. I had a company called rent a kid. And by nine, I hired my best friends, in my neighborhood to come work with me, cutting grass, shelving sidewalks over newspapers. And 40 years later, we're still great friends to this day. And we still interact with each other on social media.
1: That's so crazy. So you started this business called Rent-A-Kid. You started putting posters in your neighborhood at seven years old, Mm -hmm. being deemed retarded, by the way. And Mm -hmm. um, just started going door to door and putting posters and flyers on the doors and just really hammering your neighborhood and just built up a business where you had to hire two friends of yours, BFS, by the age of nine. And then just grew your business to that point and then was told in high school that you weren't going to make it happen when you were already making it happen. Like that just blows my mind how close minded some people can be and not recognize what you had done up until that point. That is so crazy. Um, Anyway, just wanted to say that's how you ended up with like when you went to the Okanagan, you were there. That's how you ended up there with some money and, uh, and and then got broke because of this really bad business deal that you got involved in, but I'd love to hear exactly what you had offered. Please. Yeah. If you could share with the listeners. Yeah. Sure. The, the things that are-
0: well, I'll share something. So one thing I'm, I'm going to court one day, I'm being sued by the bank and I have to go to court as the co-signer. So I'm terrified, right? I have no paperwork, no documentation. I go into the bank, I, I, I go into the courthouse And I walk in and the judge is in there and uh, he says to me, young fella, he says, can you come up to the front of the bench before we start the court proceedings? And I said to him, he goes, where's all your paperwork? I said, I don't have anything. He goes, young fella, you look like a, a, you know, an honest person. And and so I am, you know, I grew up in a small city in Swift Current, Saskatchewan, Canada, that if you lie, cheat or steal, you're going to become the village. idiot. It's going to become everybody's business. Everybody's going to know about you and you're going to have to move somewhere. Right. We live in a city of less than 20,000 people, you know, you're not too many degrees of everybody knowing everybody's business. And so the key thing was, is he said to me, he said, listen, young fellow, he said, listen, I want you to remember something. This is the judge speaking. He goes, when a person with money meets a person with experience, the person with the experience ends up with the money. So when a person with money meets a person with experience, the person with the experience ends up with the money. So always be aware of that that if you've got money and you're meeting people with experiences, so if you're posting on social media or you're out there networking or out there in the public, or, or, you know, you're boasting about who you are, you won the lottery, or you just got this windfall of money or big inheritance, you're going to attract people into your life who are going to end up with the money. And I didn't know anything about due diligence back then. I didn't know anything about researching or going through a checklist of asking questions. I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. So I just got elated and got excited. And that's what happens to a lot of people today with social media is someone will front request them and then automatically in their inbox of that social media channel will then present them with a business opportunity or some kind of investment opportunity. Like, Oh my gosh, it's all speculation and they get invested into it and then they lose their money. And then they're too embarrassed to ever come forward and say it was a scam or it was illegal or this happened to them because they're embarrassed. And so always remember when a person with money meets a person with experience, the person with the experience ends up with the money. The other thing is too, is that when you meet people, there's three types of money. Step number one is calm money. Step number two is cautious money. And step number three is nervous money. So calm, cautious, and nervous money. And so whenever you're looking at an opportunity or an investment opportunity, it could be in real estate, it could be in stocks and bonds, it could be investments, whatever it is for you. Whenever you're looking at an opportunity to invest some of your hard-earned dollars, always ask yourself and the people around you that you love and respect and admire, is our money calm, cautious, or nervous? If it's calm, it's kinda of like a green light on a traffic light, it's calm. If it's cautious, it's yellow or amber. It means you gotta do a deeper dive of due diligence, ask a lawyer, ask an accountant, ask a business advisor, somebody who's got more history and experience than you. If it's nervous money, never write the check, never get involved, run away from the opportunity. Always trust your gut or a woman's intuition, calm, cautious, or nervous. Uh, so I learned that. I also learned too that, um, you know, when I was on the streets homeless, Uh, So here I am collecting welfare. I don't have a place to live because I got evicted because I wrote a bunch of non-sufficient checks, non-sufficient fund checks. So I'm going to the welfare office with my government ID to get my welfare check. I'm being sued by the bank. So I can't, I don't have a bank account. So I have to go to a money mart to cash my welfare check. So not only am I on welfare, not earning much money. Now I have to go to a money mart and pay fees to the money mart. So I went to this 7-Eleven in Vernon, British Columbia, which is still, in fact, just recently, Ted and I were just in Vernon, British Columbia, Canada. We actually went to the 7-Eleven where I used to go when I was on welfare. And I used to go into this uh, 7-Eleven, and some of your viewers that were, you remember the 1990s, and you went to 7-Eleven convenience stores, um, they used to have a hot dog and a super big gulp or a hot dog and a Slurpee at 7-Eleven for $1.69. It was a special that was on for a long time. It was well-known. And I used to go in there because I was living on less than $2 Canadian a day. And so I went in there. And here I am stressed out. And it's, it's really interesting because, you know, when I'm down and out, I'm thinking, man, if somebody could just give me a loonie or a toonie, Canadian currency, that could really help me out today. I could buy me some food. And nobody would help me out. And yet today I go into a restaurant and I meet somebody that had a, diff- made a difference in their life and they buy my dinner. Or people put me on trips and pay for my trips. All that. I'm like, I don't expect that. But people want to reciprocate back. And I'm thinking really interesting when you're down and out, people don't help you. And then when you become successful or influential, then people take care of things for you. And what I realized was back then going through a lot of pain of living on less than $2 a day, getting a hot dog and a super big gulp or a hot dog and a Slurpee, was I learned how to manage money. And today, one of the things I'm really good at is multiplying money. And so, you know, step one is you earn money. Number two is you protect money. Number three is you multiply money. And I look back and I say, where did I learn this skill set and this mindset on how to multiply money, how to build and multiply my financial net worth? Where did I learn that from? Well, through an adversity and through a challenge and through a setback. So when you take a reflection on your life, you think, oh my gosh, I went through this traumatic experience or this challenging time in my life, realizing there's so many blessings and lessons in disguise. And that's what it was for me is I learned a lot. And so I'm grateful today to these men that I co-signed the loan for as their co-signer, Because if I wouldn't have gone through there, who knows where I'd be if I'd be alive today, or who knows the direction of focus of where my life would be today? So all those adversities and setbacks and challenges that I had to persevere through until I become made a huge difference in my life.
1: Like I I tell people all the time exactly what you're saying now: like there's only one way to lose, and that's to quit. And ultimately, there was multiple occasions there along your journey when you could have just tossed in the towel said that's it I'm done I give up this doesn't work I'm not cut out for this right from a really early age even before you started the rent a kid uh, you know like you could have said at that point like I'm too stupid to do anything and not do nothing and so I think we get to choose to be the victim or we can choose success so like what would you say is the hard part to like overcoming that especially when all the odds are stacked against you I mean a lot of people don't have that support you didn't have that support everybody I mean you really are an exception where everybody from all angles at home the professionals the doctors and then the 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 teaching staff at school like they all labeled you that and believed it and bought into it and so like what are the things that you did overcome that mental blocker, not buying into that?
0: Great question. So first thing is self-image, right? Your self, how you identify to yourself, right? Am I a loser? Am I a failure? Am I not a good father, good mother? You know, whatever it is, how you identify yourself to your self-image. So my self-image was, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm invisible. Nobody ever sees me because I'm always picked last for everything. Like in school, I was the kid that, you know, when it came to phys ed class, I was so clumsy in physical education um, that, you know, when we were playing sports, like they didn't, I didn't pick a team. I didn't get to go on a team. I was the last one. Oh, Darren, you just go over here so we can even the numbers out of people. Because I was, so anything came to academics or in school, I was always the kid picked last. I always felt invisible. I didn't matter. I didn't. I was never important. I was never valued. I was never any of that kind of stuff. So my self-image is really low. One of the things I really discovered with myself was I had a lot of broken agreements, a lot of broken promises. So one of the things I learned early on with one of my mentors was he said to me, he said, Darren, he said, you know, in business, talk is cheap. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, I agree with that. And he goes, but most people also cheapen their talk. Their words have no power. So I'll give you an example. So people used to invite me to things like a barbecue or a function or an event, and I'd either arrive late or I'd be a no-show and not follow through and show up because I figured, oh, I don't matter. I, why don't we around these people? I feel stupid and a lot of negative self-talk inside myself. So I'll just say nice to be that nice guy, but I'm not going to follow through with my actions. And so what I discovered was I got uninvited to things. People just stopped inviting me to things. Until one day a mentor sat down and he said, Darren, do you realize that your words have no power? That you your talk is cheap and you cheapen your talk. And he goes, if you want to increase your self-confidence and your self-image and your belief in yourself, during the waking hours of your day, just start to notice what you speak out of your mouth and what you give your word to. And if you actually follow through on what you say. So if you say you're going to make your bed today, if you say you're going to do your laundry, if you say you're going to go to the grocery store and buy groceries, you action all those tasks that you say you're going to do. Just keep your agreements with yourself. And once you start to trust yourself and keep your agreements consistently over a period of time, you'll build the belief in the self-image in yourself. That's why people when they say, well, I don't trust anybody. Well, if you retrace your steps and go to the root of it, chances are a lot of times you don't trust anybody else because you don't trust yourself because you don't trust what you say to yourself. And I I I lived my life that way for a period of time in my life. And so what I discovered was when I just started keeping my agreements that my word is law, that my word is my integrity, that without integrity, nothing works. And so when it comes to your self-image your self-confidence or belief, even people that are in sales, I, I train real estate agents all the time. I said, listen, you want to increase your sales? You want to increase your bank account? You want to start creating generational wealth over the next decade of your life? So start noticing what you give your word to and where you break agreements and your promises to yourself. And when you start breaking these, you restore your integrity by restoring your agreement. You'll notice that your self-confidence, your energy will change, your vibration will change. You'll walk into a room, you'll feel better. You'll vibrate a different frequency of energy and people will become magnetically drawn to you. That's why when people see me today, they say, oh my gosh, Darren, you're so self-confident. You're so confident. Why? Because I've done a lot of inner working on myself because I used to know what it's like to not believe in myself and not have a strong self-image. And so I went to work on myself from the inside out. And, uh, you know, one of the things I I recommend that people do, and this is going to be an uncomfortable exercise, and I've done it more than once in my life, is take a journal or a diary or a piece of paper and and start at number 50 and count down to number one. So 50 down to number one, where are 50 things or areas of your life that you're out of integrity? And people say, well, I'm not out of integrity in my life. Great. Where is there no workability? Really look at start to do an audit in your life and look around, perseverance in your life. Where is there no workability? So January of 2021, here I am, I'm 218 pounds. Okay, I'm fat. I'm overweight statistically here in Canada. I'm fat. And I on January 28th to 2020, I look at myself in the mirror while I'm shaving. I thought, I am freaking fat. I am out of integrity in this body. I am not treating my body like a temple. I'm treating it like a woodshed. I'm not in integrity. I got out of the shower after I shaved. I said, I said, by the end of today, before I go to bed, I am going to have a game plan, a strategy to restore my integrity and to get my health and fitness on track and get it right. Now you can remember, I had a belief system that I'm clumsy. I'm not good at physical education. I don't identify to working out at the gym, right? When I see somebody jogging down the street, good for them, but I don't see myself. So I joined a, a private WhatsApp group to go hiking. And on February the 1st of 2021, when I weighed myself, I was 218 pounds, fat and overweight, and not healthy with myself, looking at myself in the mirror. And I said, I gotta change. And so today I'm 187 pounds, now nine months later. I'm in the best physical shape. I've tripled my energy, tripled my energy. I had a lot of energy before, I've tripled it in terms of return on energy and my vitality. And now I'm obsessed with hiking all the time, but not only do I go hiking all the time here in Vancouver, Canada, when I'm home or I'm traveling. Two weeks ago, I was in Phoenix, Arizona. It was hundred um, it was 100 degree, it was over 100 degrees Fahrenheit and I went hiking out in the desert, okay? It was almost 40 degrees Celsius, 30, 40 degrees Celsius. I went hiking the desert with another guy. Why? Here's something to remember. Are you committed to your commitments? See, I had a mentor ask me one time, he says, Darren, are you committed to your commitments? When you have set New Year's goals or New Year's resolutions or you say you're going to do household chores or do things with your children, your family or in your work, do you actually follow through and commit to your commitments? If you just take on like a bonus opportunity of just the next seven days and saying, okay, where in my life am I not following through on committing to my commitments and just start following through committing to your commitments, you will have breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough in your life. And you'll start to raise your self-image, your self-confidence, you believe in yourself and you're like, oh my gosh. Because the thing is with myself is I have an iPhone and what I do is every, so I live by my calendar because I always share with people, if it's not scheduled into your calendar, it does not exist into your life. So whatever you wanna do in your life, if you don't schedule it in your calendar with reminders, with a structure, it's not gonna happen in your life. It's just wishful thinking. Then I take my calendar and I, and I link it to my iPhone, where I, I manually put alarms to everything in my calendar. So I'm always on time or I'm always early because here's something to remember. Never assume you aren't being observed. We are always being watched and always being observed. And I, I, an example uh, recently I was on a zoom video conferencing call and I went to get on this call with a group of people. I didn't know I was meeting these people uh, and my zoom video conferencing had to do some status updates with the technology. And All of a sudden, now I'm like five, six minutes late to get onto the Zoom call and they don't know where I am. And the guy that's the host, I don't have his, I have his email address. I don't have a cell phone number. So I email, but he's not checking his email because he's, he's coordinating the people on the Zoom video conferencing call. So I come in late and I feel embarrassed. I come in late and the guy goes to introduce me and I said, hold on a second, let's just stop. I said, I am out of integrity, and I need to restore my integrity with this group. They goes, oh, no, don't worry about it. Let's just get going. We're, we're, we're behind. I said, no, 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 no. There's a breakdown here. And for us to have a breakthrough, I need to restore my integrity. And I said, I want to acknowledge to everybody that I'm out of integrity. And I gave my word that I would be here on time and in place, and that did not happen. And I apologize to each and every one of you. And going forward, I am going to test my Zoom video conferencing even earlier as a contingency plan, so this is not interrupted because some of you right now, in the back of your mind, don't know me, we've never met, but in the back of your mind, the little voice or voice is saying, Is this person trustworthy? Is this person reliable? Is this person a flake? And I just want to restore my integrity and let you know going forward, this is not going to happen again. And then we we carried on. At the end of the event, I opened up into question and answer on the Zoom video conferencing, and people came forward and said, Wow, you demonstrated integrity. We've never seen something because, because I w- most people just step over it. They're like, okay, no problem. I'm late. Let's just move on. Well, then that just shows disrespect to the people that you're in conversation with. So I stopped and said, no, no, wait a second here. I'm out of integrity. I gave my word. I didn't honor and fall through my word. I need to stop. We need to reset, refocus, and restore integrity. And then let's resume. And let's deal with any incompleteness that anybody has. So I asked people, I said, is there anybody right now that has anything they want to say to me for me, restoring my integrity. And I gave a chance to people virtually to speak. If there's anything that's incomplete or unspoken or unsaid that they would like to say to me to restore the integrity. So they're complete and I'm complete. So in our lives that we say we're going to be someplace and we're going to do something, and we don't honor our word. It has a ripple of impact with other people's listening of who we are. And that's why if people want to raise their, you know, their income, raise their, get a promotion, get recommendations, get endorsements, become more successful because success is not something we go out in the world to pursue. Success is something we attract into our lives by the person that we become. So the key thing is to become an attractive person by looking at how we operate and function every day of our lives.
1: So I have to intervene here because I feel like <laughs> You were speaking sure. to me right now. I don't know. It's all good. It's all good. I want to what, what I'm going to say is this. <laughs> For my listeners that are listening to this podcast right now, I was a few minutes late getting on to this podcast recording with Darren. And so I want to publicly say to Darren, I apologize um, for being late there was a technical issue no excuses I will give you my word that next time we do a podcast recording which I hope you'll come back um, I will make sure that I test the link before our recording so that I am here and ready before you even jump on so that is my um, promise to you and I just want to say that um, everything that you're saying resonates so much with people that Like, I think there's a lot of people out there that they feel that they have to, you know, maybe justify people say, well, I'm not, it's not an excuse. I'm just explaining, but you're justifying. And so I think when you start living in a space where you just take ownership for your actions and it's okay to trip a fall, it's okay. It happens, but it's how you handle it. That makes the difference. And so, of course, I apologize to Darren. Now I feel like I didn't do it properly.
0: <laughs> no, you did great. You did great. The key thing is is just is, is acknowledging it and recognizing it. I'll share something with you called uh, this in corporate training for many years. I, I trained a step by step process called the four part apology. And if people do this, this can save your marriage. Okay, this can save your relationship. It's four steps. And I, 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 I've over 25 years. When I was traveling the world doing corporate training. I saw legal action of lawsuits where the, where the CEO picked up the phone to somebody that was suing them and said, "Listen, I need to do this for." We didn't tell me he was doing the four part apology, but he just went through the four steps of these people, and they withdrew their lawsuit against the company. Like, I, like the stories that I could share with you over 25 years of how the four part apology has transformed, you know, financially to marriages to. Um, you know, to break down some relationships, you know, personally, professionally. the four and I'll share with you the four part. And that's why I always have a flip chart behind me because I use my flip chart like, cause I'm very visual, but the four part apology is, it's called the four part apology. Step number one is to acknowledge. Okay. Step number one is acknowledge. And the first thing is you acknowledge, Hey, I'm late. So I'll give you the four steps and I'll just share with you. So step number one is acknowledge. Step number two is apologize. Step number three is make it right. And then step number four is recommit. So acknowledge, apologize, make it right, recommit. It's called the four-part apology. And you just take this on in your life. And it's going to be awkward. It's going to be uncomfortable. The first 10, 20 times you do this, okay? It's going to be uncomfortable for most people. But you start doing this and you watch the respect that you will earn from people. You watch how your relationships, personally, start to transform and change. Um, step one is you acknowledge. So let's say for example, you and I are in a relationship and I, and you text message me and say, Hey, I want you to pick up some milk on the way home. Cause a lot of your listeners will rate this in their relationship, pick up milk or pick some groceries up at the grocery store. Right? So I all of a sudden, I, I forget to stop by the grocery store and grab the milk on the way home. And I come in and maybe there's rush hour traffic and I come in and it's like, and all of a sudden your spouse or partner or significant other is like, where's the milk? I'm like, huh, I completely forgot, man. I was at the office and I was fighting traffic and there was a traffic accident, all this stuff, right? All this stuff going on. So first thing I knew this is I, say, listen, I want to acknowledge to you that I didn't stop by the grocery store and get milk. I acknowledge. And when you acknowledge, you're taking ownership, accountability. You're taking accountability for acknowledging. Most people are not accountable. Step number two is I apologize. Now I'm taking responsibility. So I want to acknowledge that I did not go to the grocery store. Step number two is, I want to apologize to you that I just got sidetracked. I got distracted. And step number three is, and then I'll ask you, what can I do to make it right? And then I listen. And I let you speak of what I can do. Now, most people, they've never been asked, what can I do to make it right? Because there's something incomplete for them. And then I restore my integrity by recommitting to my word that I'll follow through and honor this. So people just acknowledge, apologize, make it right, recommit. I do it all the time in my life. Even my relationship with Tatiana, I want to acknowledge to you, I want to apologize to you, I want to make it right, I want to recommit. And some people, just for your listeners that are listening or watching, you may have some people get emotional when you go through a four-part apology. They may break down crying and just be present with them and maybe give them a hug with permission afterwards because they've never been heard before like this. This is a very deep way to build rapport and bond with people. And I've used this for many years of my life all over the world, the four-part apology, and it's been incredible, the results that it produces, personally, especially in my life, speaking, but also in the lives that I've had a chance to influence and impact over the last few decades of my life doing the four-part apology.
1: And Very I can attest to that because like I've been on a personal growth journey for quite some time. And so I honestly, my life has changed when I started taking ownership of um, you know, the actions, uh, my actions in my life. And so um, I think like, you can choose to blame or you can choose to you know, take ownership. Right. And that's the victim and, and the, the mindset yeah. shifts when you start doing that. And for those that have been, you know, so used to looking for external reasons why, their life is falling apart or not going in the way they want. I think it's a really difficult thing to start accepting ownership if you've not done it consistently before. Maybe you do once in a while, maybe not, um, maybe not at all. But when you start doing it mindfully and intentionally, um, it is difficult to do, but it does get easier. It's like going to the gym for the first time. It's really hard. It feels uncomfortable. You're a little self-conscious. You think people are going to look at you funny because it doesn't feel right, but it does get easier. And if you just practice that, um, it it is a life changer. I just want to say like, and, and at the end of the day, this is what I tell people, give it a shot, give it an honest shot, give it three months of just saying I'm sorry. I missed that. And then go through the four part apology. If you give it a solid three months, then at that point you'll see, okay, this isn't so bad. My world didn't fall apart. I didn't get judged. People aren't looking less of me, which I think is the fear that people have. And so, um, and then you can always go back. If you doesn't, if you don't think it's for you, you can always go back to the way you were, but give it an honest shot, um, before you say it won't work. Uh,
0: well, you know, what's interesting too, is it's human beings is that we want to look good and we don't want to look bad. Just, 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 just try this on. For example, in your life today, when people are going out and about just notice as an awareness, how many times you want to look good when you're in traffic, you're in the grocery store, you're online, you're on social media, just notice how many times throughout the day is an awareness that you want to look good. And then just notice throughout the day of how many times throughout the day you don't want to look bad. <laughs> and we do this dance of wanting to look good, not wanting to look bad. Oh, here I want to look good. Oh, here I don't want to look bad. Here I want to look good. Here I don't want to look bad. Right? It's a curse and it's a blessing. It's a curse and oh, it's a blessing. Know, try that
1: actually, because now that you say that, you're right. It's usually one or the other, and we just keep flipping. Oh, yeah.
0: And just and the key thing is just to notice it as an awareness. Oh, okay. I'm showing sure up. I want to look good, and I've even said to people, "Listen, you know, I, I need to apologize to you because I came in here wanting to look good." not want to look stupid, not want to look bad. Right. And and I got a dopamine fixer. got it later from this be like, really? Yeah. I don't want to look good. I don't want to look bad. Right. I'll give you an example. I was at a, um, a new year's Eve, uh, a Christmas party a few years ago. And we got some instructions by email in this invitation that you had to be on time at, at this, um, Christmas party because it was a progressive party. So they had set times that they were going to be doing different themes and different things throughout the evening from food to speeches to all things going on. And if you couldn't be on time at 6 45 PM, you were to decline the invitation because it was a set format for the evening. So anyways, this guy, he's a mortgage broker. I won't mention his name, but this guy's a mortgage broker. He shows up with his wife. He shows up about 45 minutes late the guy's very extroverted. He's got a very loud voice. He's one of these guys, when he goes to a networking event, when he comes in, everybody knows him. He's a center of attention. He's always got to have a center of attention, right? Always hand out business cards, and, you know, he's he's very larger-than-life kind of guy. Guy comes into this uh, Christmas party, comes in. He's late. Everybody knows he's late. He comes in, and he's like, hey, everybody! Merry Christmas. Good to see everybody. He's walking around hugging everybody, disrupting the flow of the set party, the event. People are uncomfortable, right? Um, we're in Vancouver, Canada. So people are a little friendly. They don't want to say anything. If we're in New York, it may be a different experience. And people are walking around and you could notice that people wanted nothing to do with this guy or his wife. So anyways, a little bit later on, there's a little bit of a break. His wife comes over and introduces him to me. And I say, can I um? Can I talk to you for a moment? She's like, okay, can we just step outside? So I step outside away from everybody. I said, listen, how do you feel right now? And she goes, well, what do you mean? I said, how do you really feel right now? She goes, well, I don't understand your question. I said, do you feel a little weird? Do you feel like you don't want to be here? And she's like, I'm, I'm terrified. Why? She goes, well, we were supposed to be here by 6.45. My husband's late. I didn't want to create a fight in the car. We got here. He walks in, all this kind of stuff. And I said, you know, without integrity, nothing works. I said, your husband needs to go back in, needs to get the event organizer, grab her, say, listen, I need just 90 seconds to restore my integrity for being late. Cause I came in dominating all this stuff. And she was like, oh, he's not gonna do that. I'm like, you know what? He's handing out business cards to everybody, trying to build his mortgage business. He ain't gonna get referrals here. People don't trust him. They don't like him. They don't respect him, right? They, they, all that stuff's gonna go on. So I said, you need, without integrity, nothing works. There's no workability without integrity, nothing works. You need to go. And so anyways, he comes out cause he's looking for, and I said, can I talk to you for a moment, man to man? I said, you need to restore your integrity. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, no, no. you need to listen. This isn't about looking good right now, right? You need to realize that people in there do not know you like you or trust you right now. And they want you to leave. This is the unspoken thing. So I had him after I coached him for a few minutes to go find the event organizer, come in and restore his integrity with everybody, then ask for feedback. And they spent about probably 15-20 minutes, people giving him some very constructive feedback because there's some people in the room that have known him for a number of years, and he's a struggling mortgage broker, struggling financially. And it was some of the best feedback. He, he started to get emotional. And he's like, Wow. And then some people hugged him and he's like, Afterwards, he said, and he says, Wow, I've never received feedback this. So the thing is sometimes you got to dance in the fire. You know, you gotta deal with your crap. You gotta, you gotta be in an environment where you it's uncomfortable, which I've been in my life more than once. Listen, when I owed people money and one of my mentors said to me, he says, Darren, you gotta stop running from people because you owe people money. This is years ago. I owed people money. I had an R9 credit rating. He says, you need to call everybody back that you owe money to and create a restorement of a repayment plan to them. I'm like, are you serious? I, but I don't know where the money's gonna come to repay them because it doesn't matter. You gotta restore your word. You'll figure a way out. And I had to make a list of people that I was out of integrity with when it came to my finances, and even companies that I was late making payments. And today, I have impeccable credit. Today, I have my money right. Today, I am incredible. Why? I'm a very strong woman in my life because I had to go through the adversity of the pain of the uncomfortableness. And I remember when I said after I phoned these people up and I I, I dealt with what they were the impact in their lives of, of, of avoiding their phone calls and their texts and their emails and, and, and walking on the other side of the street when I'd see them in public, cause I owed them money and I restored my integrity to all these people. And, and, and it was so freeing for me. And then I realized I don't want to live my life this way anymore. And so I choose now towards financial freedom and financial independence. And that's why I'm very good financially today in my life because I know what it's like to not have any work in building my finances. So one of the things with your listeners, if money is not working for you right now, if you don't have the credit rating, you don't have the money in your bank account that you'd like to have, you don't have the lines of credit or credit cards you like to have, or the income you like to have in your life, just take a look at where you're out of integrity. And you're like, what do you mean? Just take a look. Just do an audit in your life. Just be brutally honest with yourself and say, where am I out of integrity? And if you don't know, ask your inner circle of people around you that love you and care about you, where am I out of integrity in my finances? Paying your taxes on time, doing your bookkeeping and accounting, um, You know, knowing and being intimate with your financial numbers of your bank statements, knowing much you're paying in bank fees and credit card charges, being intimate with everything. Tatia I, every Friday, we look at our finances every week Every month, we have a financial meeting. Every quarter, we do a quarterly balance sheet meeting. That's why when people see our relationship, because the number one reason why people divorce and separate is because of financial. So what we do is we focus on being intimate and being in communication, our relationship, and with our group is about finances. Growing up as a kid, I struggled in math class. Tatiana was not good at math in class school, but we learned to figure it out and to work with it. And now we have a phenomenal thriving relationship and we do very, very well on our finances and we've got our money right because we're intimate because we've got a lot of workability. And why I'm sharing this with people is because some of you, this might be a wake-up call for you thinking, wow, I, I got I to gotta have a family meeting with my, my wife. I got to tell her about the debt I got on the credit card that she doesn't know about because it's going to compound over time if you don't share with people. You've got to put your cards on the table and be full transparency with people and be in integrity. And when you do that, you'll have workability. You know, when I train people on money, on finances, because I never used to. I, I talk about my my mistakes, my adversities, my failures, my challenges. I talk about how I got my money right. And I show them how you got to do the ugly stuff. And they're like, well, I don't want to do that. Then you're not going to have a breakthrough to get to the other side here. Because you've got to restore your integrity here because there's no workability. And that's a big thing. For you. The reason why finances don't work for people because there's a lack of integrity. We don't have money problems in life. We only have thinking problems in life. It's a mindset. It's how, you know, most people, are, when they get paid money, I'll give you a quick example money. Most people, when they get paid, I'll give you the number 78% of the North American population live paycheck to paycheck. The majority of that 78%, when they get paid their money, the money comes in. They pay their rent or their mortgage. They pay their cell phone bill. They pay their utilities. They pay their food. They pay, you know, the Netflix, all that stuff. And at the end, of the end of the two weeks, guess who doesn't get paid themselves? They don't value themselves. So they create a vicious cycle of living paycheck to paycheck. And they value everybody else but themselves. But the next time they get paid, they say, hey, hold on a second here. If I live in Canada, I have a tax-free savings account. If I live in the United States, I have an IRA when I get paid my money for my paycheck, I'm not going to Costco. I'm not paying Netflix, I'm not paying my mortgage. I'm going to pay myself 10 cents out of every dollar. And I'm going to put that money aside into a savings or an investment account or a tax or savings account. I'm going to put aside. And people say, well, Darren, I, I, can't, I can't I can't, pay myself $100 out of my paycheck. Well, if I was the tax man and I came to you and said, effective next month, we're going to implement an investment tax on your household. You're going to gripe and complain, but guess what? You're going to adjust to it. So I'm going to impose a tax on your family right now, a lifestyle tax on your family right now that you effective next paycheck, you've got to pay yourself first. And it's going to be uncomfortable. You're not going to want to do it. But after a couple of weeks or a couple of months or a couple of paychecks, you're going to adjust to it. And over the next few years, when you start to pay yourself and honor yourself, your self-image and your self-worth is going to increase. And I remember one of my mentors telling me, Darren, you've got to pay yourself first. You value everybody else but yourself. And and, and and that's a great exercise to look at. Oh, wow, I'm paying everybody else but myself. I don't value me, but yet I'm taking all the risk and I'm doing all the hard work. I'm getting up early in the morning, going to bed late, fighting traffic to go to my job or my career, and I'm not even getting anything for it. And now I'm in this vicious cycle of paycheck to paycheck.
1: And for those of you who've read Robert Kiyosaki, like ultimately this is like if anybody's played the cash flow game, Um, So this is the way out of the rat race. If you are living from paycheck to paycheck, you are in the rat race. And the only way out is when your investments are making enough for you to replace your disposable needs. And so your disposable income needs. And that is when you can start working, you know, getting out of the rat race and living into passive income and financial freedom. So ultimately, and even then, by the way, when you are out of the rat race, some of those investments need to stay in your investments. You don't get to use them all. Keep that system, that cycle growing, right?
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll share an example with you on that. So, Tati and I just recently, we were out dream building. We drive around and look at different things we want to create in our lives. So, we went by the Audi dealership here in Vancouver, and we saw this beautiful Audi. And we drive a 2015 Honda Civic car. It's paid for, right? Low profile, high impact. You know, I could buy a Ferrari. I could buy a Lamborghini, all that stuff. I have friends might mine that have that stuff. I don't need to buy it. I don't need it. Um, so, we we go in and we customize, order a, a vehicle, put down a $1,000 refundable deposit. And the vehicle is going to get manufactured and we're going to get it in about four to six months so we leave the dealership and tech goes how do you want to pay for the vehicle i said i'm not going to pay for it she's like what do you mean i said i'm going to create another income producing asset by solving a problem and serving people and that income producing asset i'm going to create a three-month contingency plan of liquid cash just in case something's not with that income stream it dries up or doesn't work out i've got a i've got a buffer of contingency And I said, what I'm going to do is that, that passive income producing asset that I will create over the next four to six months, that income producing asset will pay for the vehicle, which is a luxury Audi, uh, SUV. See, I'm not taking active income money. I trade time for money with, I'm not taking that money to do it. I'm not borrowing money. I'm creating another revenue stream that will pay for the vehicle because it's multiple revenue streams of income that are active and passive income streams. And people say, well, how do I create more income? Just go solve more problems. That's all it is, is start to train your mindset on how do I solve a problem. At work, if you hear people complaining in the lunchroom about problems, okay, realize that you can can create an opportunity. Now, people get scared, like, oh my gosh, it's scary. Yeah, it is. It's gonna be scary. But that's where your growth is, is when you step out of your comfort zone into your learning zone. So it's training your mindset to step up and step out all the time. When I first started hiking to release weight, I'm thinking, what if I run across a bear, right? Because I live in Vancouver, Canada, what, what a little bear? And I remember saying to myself one time, and just recently I had some people out with me hiking, and one lady's like, oh my gosh, I'm terrified of bears. I said, let me ask you a question. Right now, is the fear real? Like, do you really feel that there's a bear? Like, do, like the, so the, the threat may be real, but the fear is not. This is something to remember, people. The threat might be real, you know what I mean? So there might be, there there might be in your body, you feel body sensations that there's a black bear. But if you look around right now, there's no physical evidence that there's a bear out here in the wilderness that we can see. So the thing is, is feel the fear, but there's no threat. Just, just like when I used to go knock on doors and make all these cold calls, I was terrified. I remember when I used to go knock on doors in industrial parks throughout North America to build my corporate training business. I'd be sitting out in my rental car or my, my car, my own vehicle, and I was terrified to go knock on that door and cold call to sell my corporate training services. So I used to play ACDC Thunderstruck and I used to pound my steering wheel and get into a high peak performance state, thunder! And I'd get myself psyched up to go in and get rejected. And I'd come out and play ACDC Thunderstruck and I used to do that as my theme song called Thunderstruck by ACDC. And I did that because I was so terrified of getting rejection. So I felt the body sensations but there was no threat of me ever being going to die. You know what I mean? Going out and getting rejected. And now I could, now rejection doesn't bother me. In fact, when I'm out having a conversation, now here's something to understand also too, is I remember one time I was raising money for a business I was involved with and I was flat broke financially. I was staying at a Holiday Inn hotel. I didn't have enough money to actually get into a taxi cab to go meet with this accredited investor to ask him to write a check. I think it was $50,000 this business I was involved with. So what I did was I was completely out of integrity. I'm at the Holiday Inn Hotel and there's a sign up in the in the continental breakfast of the hotel in this room. It says only for occupied uh, registered hotel guests could have the continental breakfast. Well, I didn't have any money and I wanted to go meet this accredited investor, this high net worth investor. So I asked if he would, I made up a story. Say, said, listen, I can't get to uh, where you need to. Could you come meet me at the Holiday Inn? So the investor drives to the Holiday Inn, he parks, I sneak him in to come in for breakfast. And it says right in this big sign for registered hotel guests only. So I start pitching and selling this investor, wanting him to write me a check. Because I think I may never see this guy again. So I got to hustle this guy. I got to grind this guy. I got to get him to write a check. And I'm just lunge on this guy. This guy looks at me and he says, Darren, would you shut up? Would you just stop talking? And I'm like, whoa. And he goes, listen, you need to shut up and just stop talking. He goes, you know what? Listen, we need to deal with your out of integrity before we proceed further because I'm about ready to walk up the door and never see you again lose your number. He goes, I said, what are you talking about? And I my ego and I, you know, I want to close them and I'm in the zone. And he goes, first of all, I'm not supposed to be in this room. This is for registered hotel guests only. You snuck me in here. See, here I am thinking in my mind, nobody's going to know. I'm just going to sneak him in here and I'm going to play the big shot and all this kind of stuff. Meanwhile you know, he knew. And so the thing is, I stuck in there. So he calls me out of my integrity for sneaking him into the hotel room, right? Into For kind of a little breakfast. Then he calls me out that I'm flat broke financially. And he said something to me that changed my life. And I want this to have an impact and a ripple effect on your listeners. He said, Darren, you need to stop pitching and selling people. And you need to start educating and informing. Stop pitching and selling and start educating and informing. Start to have a conversation where people get to know you, like you, and trust you, and start to educate and inform rather than pitch and sell. And for years, building my corporate training business, in the early days, I would pitch and sell. I would hustle, I would grind, You know, I would get aggressive on the phone, I would do all these sales tactics, neurolinguistic programming, all these different things that I would do. I got rid of all that stuff. Sales, all that stuff, and I just started to build a relationship by having a conversation with people and not pitching and selling, but starting to educate and inform them. And what I discovered, with things just transformed. I started signing contracts with Fortune 100 companies. I started, you know, building companies, acquiring companies, doing all kinds of stuff because I was educating, informing versus pitching and selling. And a lot of times, we on social media, somebody will friend request us. Then they'll accept the friend request, and then boom, what do they do in our inbox? They go into pitching and selling their business, or business opportunity. And then what do we do? We're repelled by versus attracted. We go to networking events and people walk around to try and work the room and try and pitch and sell. And then they got commission breath, right? Which we know it's getting close to the end of the month. They got to close a deal. They hit their, they hit their targets or pay the rent or mortgage. And we get turned off by that versus just going in and having a conversation, and educating and informing versus pitching and selling. So today I don't pitch and sell. I just share information and educate and inform when I'm doing presentations or investor presentations or you know acquiring companies and doing things like that. And it's unbelievable the results that I generate and produce because I'm just building relationships, authentic relationships, and getting people to know me and like me and trust me as part of their discovery process and their due diligence
1: process. And the results that you've had have been phenomenal, Darren. You've got, um, we're going to have to wrap up our show. I mean, I could listen to you for hours hours believe me i'll have (laughs) to have you back if you'll come back um
0: would love to thank you thank you you so much for that
1: yeah but like what you said you know the the educate and sharing information to people you have built your business around that and uh you've got an eight-figure business you've got you just started really in the real estate space your eight-figure business is more the businesses that you're involved in right that you own and um buy and sell and
0: Yeah. And and all all of our portfolio of investments between investments and between companies. And uh, yeah, and we've been focused on acquisition mode now of just acquiring companies doing what we call roll-ups. So we buy, we're buying accounting firms. I'm in the cybersecurity world. So we buy these companies and then we bring them into one and we roll them up. And then we go through what, uh, maybe sometime I'll share with people how you build wealth. Um, You know, Tintin and I have committed $100 million over the next 10 years towards global philanthropy. And how you do that is by creating wealth generating events. Which are capital liquidity events, and it's a whole different strategy in terms of building and multiplying wealth that I can share with you. That most people on the planet don't know how to do. But once I share with you and train you on the mindset, you can start going through wealth-generating events, and you'll start to see, like, oh my gosh, like it's it's. So for those of you who played the board game called um, Cashflow 101 by Robert and Kim Kiyosaki, there's the route race and there's the fast track. This is the fast track, and I can share with you strategies on how you live on the fast track in terms of wealth-generating events. And how you can multiply wealth. Um, and it just it compounds and it's quite exciting. Yeah,
1: I'll jump on that train. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cause we've, Tay-Tay and I, we've dedicated our lives with our wealth towards philanthropy. Like we're not motivated by money. We want to make a difference with global philanthropy. So we're all about building financial wealth. And the more wealth we build, the more we're just gonna pay it forward. We're actually, we're actually um with Link Foundation, a 250-year legacy plan. So we can even unpack that and share with people, how, how do you create a 250-year legacy plan? Most of you most have challenges planning a two-week family vacation, let alone thinking 250 years, three generations out. Now, people say, well, how do you think that way? Well, let me just share with you. Uh, I'm actually going to be in Dubai in a few weeks. I'm flying to Dubai to meet with a family for dinner that actually is, um, their family's over 600 years. Their, their family business over 600 years. Uh, I have a family in the United States. They have a 1,000-year documented legacy plan. I have another family that I meet with on a monthly basis virtually that their family trusts go back to the year 1485 and their 15 wow, generations. That's great. So they're out there across the planet. You just have to get into the right circles of people with the right information and the right conversations. And, get and a I would, would love table. to
1: hear more about that. Um, maybe on our next podcast, we can talk about that. Cause I know a lot of people would love to be able to do stuff like that. So, um, if anybody wants to reach out to Darren, um, it's D A R R E N J A C K L I N D-A-R-R-E-N-J-A-C-K-L-I-N.com. All his socials are in there. That's the easiest place to reach out to him. He also has a book coming out. It's until I become. And so if you want to check that out, it's until I com. All one word. And then of course, um, he's got his um philanthropy project. Um, um, so it's ly2nk.org link ly2 the number two nk.org. And um if you want to reach out to him, see how you can even work with him on the philanthropy side or how he could help you in your business with uh, some coaching, anything like that, uh, some training. This guy is phenomenal. So do reach out. The other thing I want to mention too, guys, before we go, if you like the episode, please hit the like button. That'll really help us out. Um, it'll help send out this episode to the masses and social media. Of course, don't forget to subscribe and um, hit the notification bell so you can be aware of when we're launching the next podcast and be the first to listen and share it if there's anybody that you think could uh, benefit from hearing this. And most importantly for me, I want to know what you think. So um, let me know. Let me know what you think. Is there anything, uh, anything that Darren said that resonated with you today? click in the comment box and uh, let me know. I do read those comments. So uh, let's see uh, where you're at. And if there's anything you want to hear on an upcoming episode, please reach out in the comments as well. Darren, thank you so much. So, so much, my friend. I am so proud to have you in my Beautiful circle. Like I'm, I'm blessed. You have yeah, blessed my you. life. Every minute I spend with you makes, enriches my life. Like I can't even say. Um, so give my love to Tatiana. I know you guys are awesome. You're killing it. That's all right. Uh, Is there any final words that you want to send off our listeners with?
0: You know, two questions I want people to walk away with today. And uh, we can really unpack this on another episode if you want. That your life, um, anything you really, really, really want in your life is going to come from strangers. And it comes down to two things, requests and promises. And the key thing is, is what are you promising? So I have in my life, you know, I I have my personal top 10 promises I have for my life. Every year I write down What are my top 10 personal promises? I don't call them goals or dreams. I call them personal promises. So I write down my personal promises, what I give my word to, what I commit to. Then what I do is I go out there and I make requests because for every question I don't ask, the answer is always no. And so one of the key things is a lot of people, they don't make requests. People are always waiting for an invitation. So when you make a request, people will only do one of three things. They'll either accept your request, they'll decline your request, or they'll counteroffer your request. So accept, decline, or counteroffer. So two questions I want to leave your audience with today. Question number one is, where am I not requesting in my life? I want you to just take a look. Just just think about, while you're in the shower, you brush your teeth, you're making dinner, you're driving. Where are you not requesting in your life? I'll give you a hint. Whatever's not working for you in your life. Look in an area of your life where there's no workability that's not working. That's not giving you joy, fulfillment, energy. Where you're contracted, not expanding, that's where you're not requesting. So if you want to thrive in a relationship and you're not doing date nights that's not scheduled in your calendar, that's where you're not requesting. to like after your children, for example. if you're not flourishing financially, you're not making requests for introductions, referrals, endorsements, a new business, that's why your bank's not flourishing. So just take a look. Number one is, where am I not requesting? And then question number two is, who do I become when I don't make requests? You play small in life. You're contracting, not expanding. Just take the notice as a human being, who do you become when you're not making requests? Because not when that. you become a request-making machine and you're in service to humanity, always making requests, you'd be amazed. I'll give you a quick example and we'll complete. I was at an event recently and I, a bunch of people in the room and a guy says, what, what's, a, what's an outrageous request that you have, Darren?" And I said, you know, we built this new school called the Link Leadership Academy over in the slums of Liberia, West Africa. And I said, Tetra and I are planning a humanitarian trip for 2022. I would like someone to pre-order 500 copies of my book so we can take all 500 copies and gift them to 500 villagers in the village so we can train them on a knowledge transfer so we can educate them and alleviate them out of poverty. I had three people that day come out and said, we'll each do 500. Let's do three villages. So it was an outrageous request, but this per, these people now got a chance to pay it forward and pass it on and create a ripple of impact to influence and impact people who will never be able to pay them back. So think about in your life, where can you make an unreasonable, outrageous, or a powerful request to make a bigger difference in humanity?
1: I love that. And I'm, I'm as you're talking, I'm thinking about my own life. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you so much for that. Darren Jacqueline. I am so honored that you are here with me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm, Lots of love. If there's anything that I can do to help you you in Tatiana and your businesses, the philanthropy, you know, I'm here, please reach out. Um, I'm here for you guys. So thank you so much for being on the show to the listeners. Don't forget to comment. Let me know how things are going for you and how we can help you. And uh, this is Danielle for the Let's Get Real Estate Podcast signing off.